It's 12.01, The Witching Hour. You're listening to WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the late night fright. Commencing transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me as always is my co-host. She's been called the Horror of Haddonfield, but all of you out there know her as Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Today is January 4th, 2021. You're listening to the 198th edition of the Late Night Fright, the only show out there that doesn't have to go to sleep to dream. This is our first show of 2021, and we want to wish all of you, wherever you may be, a very happy new year, and we would like to extend greetings to any spooks, specters, astral travelers, or interdimensional beings that may be tuning in or joining us here in the studio. The hostage situation known as 2020 is over, and even though I think I saw a shifty look in the eyes of 2021, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt for now. You're a kind person, Faith. I'm really not. I'm pretty horrible. That's why we love you. Tonight, Faith and I have the honor of working for the horror movie HR department. What are we getting into tonight, Faith? A little conflict resolution. This month is dedicated to pitting films with similar mojos against each other to see which one has more mojo. Tonight, we travel back through the mist of time to 1989, where we find two part fives of two hollowed horror franchises waiting for us. Faith, what is up first? Our first film stars the one and only Robert England as everyone's favorite bastard, Freddy Krueger, in A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. And what film is The Dream Child squaring off against? Freddy will have to overcome the evil of Michael Myers and the histrionics of Donald Pleasance in Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Two iconic franchises, two iconic slashers. Faith, I think we might be doing something right. I think we are. We are going to take a short pause for a coffee cause. Stay tuned for a word from our sponsors. When we get back, we have Robert England in A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. I am Dan. And I am Faith. You are listening to The Late Night Fright. We are so glad you're here. We'll see you on the other side. The Dark Depository, located on Sacred Burial Road, is your one-stop shop for all of your dark spellcasting needs. Cauldrons, talismans, spell books, and the freshest ingredients this side of hell. The Dark Depository has it all. Tis the season. The season for evil. Our motto has always been, don't get mad, don't get even, get evil. The Dark Depository. Drop in now to take advantage of our Saturnalia savings. See you there. Faith, how do you feel about a little trivia? I love a little trivia. Did you know Robert England was not the original choice to play Freddy Krueger? Really? That honor goes to English actor David Warner. Hmm. He also appeared in a part five that premiered in the summer of 1989. What is that? He played Sir John Talbot in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Very cool. He also has an association with DC Comics. He played Jarrell in Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman. That is very cool. Robert England has voiced the Scarecrow. Nice. We'll be right back. His mother was a God-fearing woman. His birth was an unspeakable horror. 
His life and death have been one incredible nightmare. <laughs> but now all that is going to change because Freddy wants to become a daddy. Wanna make babies? What's wrong with me? You're just a little pregnant. Even if he has to adopt. No! Do unborn babies dream? When it comes to chills. It happened while I was awake. When it comes to screams. The party just start. When it comes to pure terror. Bone appetite. <laughs> no one delivers like Freddy. Better buckle up. All right, Kruger. This time it's for capes. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. It's a boy! When it comes to terror, remember, Freddy knows best. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Before we get into it, Faith, we had a message. We do. Yes, we have a message. This was left for us while we were on break. I don't feel like we've had any messages in a while. We haven't had any phone calls in a while, so here we go. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here it is. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left, no reason no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he called during our Halloween episode. I think he did. He must get wind that... I don't know. I don't know why why he needs to call. Well, Faith, Freddy Krueger is back. Again. (laughs) Robert England returns as everyone's favorite bastard son of a hundred maniacs, the oh-so-handsome and charming Frederick Charles Kruger in director Stephen Hopkins' gothic-tinged film A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. This film picks right up from the events of The Dream Master and follows the continuing adventures of our final girl, Alice, played by the returning Lisa Wilcox. Alice is pregnant. And Freddie wants back into the world by way of her unborn son, Jacob. Portrayed here with extremely creepy eyes by Whit Hertford, familiar to audiences as the young boy that Sam Neill terrifies with the tail of the Velociraptor in the original Jurassic Park film. Robert England and Lisa Wilcox are joined once again by Danny Hassel as Dan, Alice's soon-to-be late boyfriend and fresh lambs for the slaughter, Kelly Joe Mentor as Yvonne, Erica Anderson as Greta, and Joe Seeley as Mark. The script is by Leslie Boehm from a story by Boehm, John Shipp, and Craig Spector based on characters created by the one and only Wes Craven. The score is by Jay Ferguson. The film was produced by Robert Shea and Rupert Harvey, with cinematography by Peter Levy. Released on August 11, 1989, the film failed to meet the box office returns of the previous entry, The Dream Master, and critics were not kind to the film, although several praised the movie's special effects and makeup. England speaks fondly of his time making the film, and director Hopkins, who had gone to make Predator 2 the next year, says the film was rushed and then gutted by both the MPAA and the studio, turning an okay movie into an embarrassment that he can't even watch today. We watched it, didn't we, Faith? We did. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, will not be awarded stars this evening. What will it be awarded instead, Faith? Murder gloves, of course. And since this is a part five, we are going to be awarding it up to five murder gloves in the following five categories. We have overall film mojo, franchise sequel mojo, creep quotient mojo, final girl slash adversary mojo, and slasher factor mojo. 
slasher factor mojo yeah, is and going to... Yeah, I messed up my word there. I'm trying That's to say adversary. Right. I read so fast. That's that... all right. It's going to take into account kill count, kill creativity, and the victims. Ooh, are you ready? I'm ready. I hope all of you out there are ready. Here we go. Our first category tonight is overall film mojo. So, Faith, what did you think of A Nightmare on Elm Street 5? The Dream Child. I liked this movie a lot, actually. More than I think I thought I was going to watching, uh, so, you know, some of the the movies recently in the franchise. Should I tell them when I gave it? Yes. How How did you score? I gave it four murder gloves. I gave it three and a half murder gloves. Okay. Three and a half murder gloves. I kept my numbers rounded. and uh, That's good. Didn't feel like doing half scores. <laughs> I feel like uh, Faith is going to score the films later, so I'm putting her to work. <laughs> Let me start off here. Roger Ebert, the great, late great film critic, gave any movie with Harry Dean Stanton or M. Emmett Walsh, two favorites here on The Late Night Fright. He gave those films an automatic two stars. Kelly Jo Minner gets this two murder gloves for me just because she's in it. Any movie <laughs> that she is in is an automatic two-star two movie. Stars. She is the star of movies such as Summer School, The Lost Boys, House Party, New Jack City, and one we did here on the show, The People Under the Stairs. Mm-hmm. She is one of my favorites. It is her attitude. It is her delivery. It is everything that she brings to the table. I think she's one of our great underrated, hopefully not forgotten character actresses mm-hmm. from that era she's a, she was a very familiar face to movies of that yeah of that time but uh she she gets it a straight two murder gloves <laughs> so um i like this movie i like this movie a lot this one is always ranked towards the bottom of elm street films for some reason now when you have classics such as that first one and the third one and new nightmare mm-hmm. in there i can see how it would not yeah meet the expectations that that those films might put on this. I can see it. I just really think the story of it is cool. I think it's kind of different from where all the other ones kind of go. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I think it's clever. I like uh, some things I like about it. I like that it's a direct continuation of part four, mm-hmm. even using the same actors. Mm-hmm. I like that it tries to at least bring in the themes that Wes Craven was hitting on in the original film with the parents and the kids and expectations of right. parents put on kids and parental neglect and how Freddie is able to just kind of wedge himself in there. Yep. And uh, that is, that is a theme that is very present in oh, the yeah. original film and what that film is about. So something else I like here, I like the first five minutes of this movie. I think the first five minutes of this movie might be the perfect slasher film. <laughs> we have sex, nudity, a shower, attempted murder, general creepiness. The rest of the film doesn't quite live up to it, but it's a great <laughs> effort. Um, one thing we do need to talk about, this is this has some real heavy gothic overtones to it. This mm-hmm. is gothic Freddy. It really is. And it really excited Robert England. He says when he met Stephen Hopkins and saw what he wanted to do with the MC Escher like uh, production design with mm-hmm. the steps and the and the way that the uh, dream world looked, he said he he was like, Let's do this. Let's do it. You know? <laughs> and um so I like that. I like the look of this. I like the design. I like the visual motifs. Lots of pipes, lots mm-hmm. of water hallway standing in for fallopian tubes and afterbirth (laughs) you know they're not hiding it Mm -mm. and i think that the film is stephen hopkins especially this is if not his first feature one of his first he's really trying to make something good right here well thought out thoughtful I don't. I don't see how. Is he the one that said that he thinks it's an embarrassment? He does. Yes. I don't. I don't know. I don't. And, I don't. And I'm going to give him the it. benefit of the doubt because we don't know what he had in his head. You know. True, but I mean, I, I still think it's a good watch. I like. I like watch. seeing Freddy without his makeup in it. I think that's yeah. a really cool thing. Yeah. I just. I really like the general overall story of it coming through this unborn child and he's still making his way. That's just so creepy. I love the conceit of this. Mm -hmm. And Hopkins says he viewed uh, Kruger as like an oil slick on the dream world. Mm -hmm. And I love that they are actually giving some thought into how they get him back into the film. Cause in part four, he just kind of shows back up and that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But this film really does feel like it's trying Mm -hmm. to, to do something and be about something. I love him coming in through the kid. I think that's a fascinating idea. So really what it comes down to for me and what I have written down here is this is not the 1984 film. 
few are. This is not Dream Warriors, but at least it's not MTV Freddy from Part Four. And I, and I like Part Four. I like this one better than Part Four. Part do, Four just too. gets a little too bright for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's better than it should be. It's trying to tell a story visually, mm-hmm. which I like, and it's enjoyable even if it's a little goofy at times. It it you can tell this comes from the eighties, yeah, and especially <laughs> the late eighties. You know, but I, it's a fun, it's a fun movie. I, I see why it's ranked under one, three and seven. I, I, yeah, yeah. but I don't have like major complaints about it. You no, know, I wasn't disappointed inter- with it. I wasn't bored. It's an it didn't entertaining put me to sleep. watch. It's a really entertaining watch. And I think there's more going on here under the surface than, than people give, give it credit right. for. We're um, going to talk about that. One of the elements that I think is, uh, bigger than people realize is the England performance. And we're going to get to that in just a second. Mm-hmm. But uh, so moving on uh, franchise sequel mojo, how does this stack up as mm-hmm. a sequel to the original film? What'd you I get? gave it two and a half murder gloves because as much as I enjoyed this film for what it is, and I love that it's going in a different direction mm-hmm. from the sequels. This is about as far removed from <laughs> 1984 Elm street as you can get maybe not as far. I don't want to dump on part four, maybe not as far removed as like MTV Freddy, because they are doing some neat things with Freddy here, Mm -hmm. but uh, it it is pretty far removed from that real dark, you know, boiler room. (laughs) We're in hell, (laughs) you know, Wes Craven vision, but uh, it is unique. Yeah, it is unique. So I I give it some points for that. Um, I like it better than part four. As I said, um, the 84 film is still scary. Uh, Freddy's Revenge is flawed, but interesting in places. Dream Warriors, we love that one here. It expands the world and character for better or for worse. We're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, Dream Master, then, is the MTV movie. It's the pop culture movie. This is at least trying to do something different, but my biggest gripe with it is that it's not very scary. Right. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I gave it... I'm kind of close to you. I gave it two on the being on the franchise just because, like you said, it's it's so far from the original, and it's just there are, there are dark moments, but I don't feel like it's as dark as Freddy should be should be. should be should be throughout this whole entire and uh, I'll, I'll I'll finish this up with the gothic take is really interesting. It makes it different. Uh, the whole thing with the kids and parents does harken back to Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, 84. I love the mystery element here because you don't know how he's getting in until about halfway through the movie. The original 84 film has that mystery element to it too. Right. And again, it's just not very scary, but it does make up for it with atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's really, really wonderful. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on the creep quotient mojo. And this kind of has to do with our old friend, Fred Chuck, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, it does. How'd you score it? I gave it a three. So did I. And I will tell you why. I feel like I said a while ago, I think it could have been darker, but I think there are moments where he was still playful enough that it was creepy and dark, especially um, Greta feeding There is a moment. Like, that's just so... And I'm glad you brought that up. Not that (laughs) moment. It's the moment in that scene where he holds her and is burping her that just gave me a chill it's it's just that's so creepy to me and to me that just kind of that's the dark element there that i wish because it's still ha 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 to him but it's gross and creepy yeah and i want more of it (laughs) he was really great in the birth scene when he shows up Mm -hmm. and uh you get a little bit of cheese Mm -hmm. you know you know it's a boy you know (laughs) and i think you know when i watched this movie recently before this i got the blu-rays recently um I was like, ah, oh, here we go with that kind of pop culture, Freddy. But watching it this time, like the little bit of cheese is undercut real quick. He he gives you the dark mm-hmm. in there when the when the mother shows up, when Amanda shows up, and man, his eyes change and he's having fun because he's back. And then that nun walks in, and you can see it in his body language and the eyes. And then he gets real dark with you know, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see, bitch, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, oh, there he is. Oh, right? he's he's in there. <laughs> Um, he's a little bit of the prankster here removed from the first three films, 
but he looks great. I love the makeup here because you can really see Robert England under the makeup. And he's always fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Freddy. He's always, oh, yeah. fun, even when it's crap, it's, it's always fun say. to watch. For me, the creepiest moment in this has no makeup. And it's the, uh, when you see him in the bed, they do this bed switch where she wakes up from the dream where she's out, yes. uh, Amanda Kruger in the uh, insane asylum. And she wakes up and Dan is right there with her. And then, same shot, he goes out a shot, and England pops up in the bed, and it gets me every time because I forget about it. Yeah. And hit that look on his face, just that, that, that evil, malignant <laughs> look on his face. Uh, that gets me every time. Um, I want to throw this out. I, I, I have this idea that England is playing Freddy in this movie as a child, as like a bad kid. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a thematic choice that he's making. I couldn't find any information on that because... I was watching the movie and, and tell me what you think about this. And I'm watching him and I'm going some of the cheesier stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, God, it's just like, that's so childish. I actually said that to myself. I went, this is so childish. And like this light bulb went on, went off. And I went, wait, because when the mother shows up, he gets, yep. it, it's a switch mm-hmm. and it's, and he does it two or three times in the movie. It's a visual switch where he gets real kind of bowed up mm-hmm. and I'm going, He's doing this on this isn't just him showing up and, and spouting right. off these Don Rickles lines. Like, <laughs> no, like he's enjoying his work and then this mother shows up. Oh, here's mom, you know. Yep. I don't know if that was a conscious choice or not, but it's in there enough to make you go, mm, might be something there. Right. No, I agree. I can I can absolutely see that. I feel like it I feel like it would make sense for him to do it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I can I can see and it. And he's he's a he's a uh, intelligent and, oh, yeah. and, and well-read and well-rounded guy enough to look at this and get it and, yeah. and throw that. The dream child. That's right there in the title. So, right? again, I don't know if that was a conscious decision on his part because you are kind of getting that prankster Freddy, but I kept seeing that dark underneath, and it was really, really, it's really kind of lovely. It's it's yeah. a really interesting performance. I think so, too, because like you said, you still have some of your, your kind of cheesy moments, but I don't feel like they go overboard with the whole... MTV-ish, we're not in, you know. and we're not in Looney Tunes territory yet. Like yeah. we're going to be in the next film, <laughs> and it's it, it feels like it's trying. It's like an expansion and mm-hmm. trying to get back to a little bit of the darker roots. You know, I feel like if they would have just gone full on dark, though, I mean, I feel like I think it would have added a little, just a little, a little it bit of something been, to it. Yeah. yeah, a little better. I don't know. Again, I'm not disappointed in the film. Really? <laughs> um, I'm not either. I liked it quite a bit. <laughs> All right. Next category is Final Girl. I gave, uh, or slash adversary, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the Van Helsing to the Dracula as yes. it is. Uh, I gave this uh, three murder gloves. I like Lisa Wilcox as Alice. I'm glad they brought her back. I feel like she's a very worthy successor to Nancy. Mm-hmm. I like her. I'm rooting for her. I feel like she plays the situations well. Nice character development from the last film. She's a lot more confident. Uh, she's brave. She's resourceful. Everything you want in a final girl. And this is the most interesting thing to me. She survives the movie, even though the movie opens with her having sex. That's that's a good point. It is a good point, it's isn't it? It's a really it? good point. By the way, the sex scene at the beginning I thought was very well done because there's mystery to it. Yeah. You didn't know what was what. It and wasn't like that. Uh, it, gr- wasn't it wasn't like gratuitous. That, yeah, at all. <laughs> no, I agree. It was It was done well, I think. Uh, no, I I also gave gave it a three. I think I think she's pretty good, but she's she's not my favorite because she's no Nancy. But I agree with you. I think she is, you know, more confident. I feel like she's she is resourceful. She doesn't seem like a, a bonehead. You know, no, so, no. I was not watching this movie going. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Don't right. do that. <laughs> yeah. Again, she's she's no Nancy for me, but. I, I don't. Wonderful. I don't, I don't despise her. I, I think I thought she was wonderful, and she looked very radiant in this mm-hmm. movie. I was really, you know, I was really taken in a few scenes, like just, uh, just how how gorgeous she mm-hmm. was. And I'm not the meaning, natural look. To the her. natural. That's yeah. and that's what I was. That's the point I was going to make. Just this real mm-hmm. soft, beautiful yeah. glow to her. Yeah, she's really pretty. I, I really liked it. And our final category: the slasher factor mojo. So kills, kill creativity, and the uh, lambs to the slaughter. So the victims, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or the people being terrorized here. What'd you give it? I gave it a 3.5. Um, we have three deaths mm-hmm. here. We have Dan, Greta, and uh, Joe Seeley. Uh, 
they're not exactly slasher deaths, you know, in the traditional sense. Uh, more body horror, yeah. which I thought was really interesting. Uh, so pretty neat take. And uh, they're all very memorable. I'll say that. They are. I gave it I gave it a three. I think. Did you did you do the kill counts? I did. I, I came up with three. Three. Yeah. I just feel like there could have been more. And again, I feel like yeah. it could have been darker, but I think the kills were. I like the highly stylized kills mm-hmm. here. Uh, and they kind of take that from three and run with it. The mm-hmm. idea of the specialized. Right. Oh, this was a thing. I feel like they're very, they are, they're very specialized for each character. It's not just, you know, just getting so, killed off. I like the kids in this movie. I like the group. Mm-hmm. I love the group. Um, I didn't want them to die, you know, and I didn't feel like it was just here you go. Here's here's the obligatory death scene. I felt like they they you know, they were trying to establish character. I felt like this group of kids was a tight knit group Mm -hmm. and I didn't like seeing them get killed. Yeah, I didn't. I I did. uh, I do think Super Freddy's a little uh, too much. Uh, That's fine, though. I do like the black and white. Aha. Take on me. Video nature of Mm -hmm. that. And I. I do like how he kills him and the color drains out of him. He becomes black and white. I like the style, stylized nature of mm-hmm. it. But that, to me, is probably my least favorite one. My favorite one is the Greta scene because <laughs> it too. is so traditional Kruger creepy. Mm-hmm. The actress in that scene uh, would be in a movie called Zandalee, which starred Nicolas Cage and was written by my screenwriting professor, Mary Kornhauser. So Very cool. Pretty pretty fun there. It's very cool. Very fun. That was the next year. It was the year after this. So that was my favorite. I mean, you get one of the great Kruger lines, Bon Appetit, bitch. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the bourbon, the baby scene was just, <laughs> was just, it, it's repulsive. Yeah. I just feel like if we had more. Oh, and they cut that scene too, by the way, because they, I've seen the uncut scene. You can look at it on YouTube. He actually is feeding her, her intestines yeah wow not filet de barbie as he says <laughs> but no they did cut out a few moments there yeah and you, you get the idea with you are what you eat yeah you know? i feel like you know that's the darkness i feel like every kill needed to have but and it's got that little bit of funniness to it like it madame is. if i may you know and but it's almost up. like it's funny because it's funny to him yeah. You know, not necessarily like I'm laughing out loud of what's happening. It's yeah. just because he's enjoying it yeah. so much, you know. It's and just... I love I love that he looks into the camera for the bone appetite bitch. Yes. And uh, you know, time for seconds. It's it's really a dist- when you it take really a step is. back from it's very disturbing. It really is. And uh but I like that it plays into the whole thing with parents and kids and the pressure it's being put on by mm-hmm. the mother. And I I love it. I I think I it's it's just extremely extremely well done. Also, we need to mention that Jacob in this movie, the kid, is very creepy. He's got them oh, he's so creepy. very creepy eyes. I do love the mystery element to it, too. I, I think I too. I, it, this is such an interesting movie that is so a product of its time and is so well done and is so kind of stands out from the sequels around mm-hmm. it. It's, it's an, I don't want to call it a misfire. Maybe not a misfire. It's almost like it would have been a good movie outside of the franchise. May you know this one almost should have been part four, you know. Yeah, you know, if you had the darker part three take on this, Mm -hmm. I think it's in the running for best for best Elm Street sequel. I really do because him coming in through the kids' dreams and now and now the 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 characters don't have to fall asleep. You know, it's it's right, really amazing. I'm saying I think that's I think that's really cool. Very clever. It's very different. I like that. Yeah. There's almost a, a, a sort of David Lynchian thing to it, too. True. Which is very interesting. It's, it, I love it. I really do. I really I, love this I movie. I really, I thoroughly enjoy and, it. And it's a really entertaining watch. This movie does not drag at mm. all. Entertaining no. watch. So do you have anything you'd like to add? I think that's or, it. All right. Well, um, what we're going to do is uh, when we get to the last segment, we're going to tally up our scores and see which, uh, which film was walking out of here. Mm-hmm. the victor tonight so uh we're going to take a very short break but when we get back guess what faith what's that we're going to haddonfield again i don't know if i'm ready <laughs> for halloween five <laughs> the revenge of michael myers i am dan and I am faith. stay tuned for a word from our sponsors we will see you on the other side
This is Old Farmer Felcher for Farmer Felcher's Old Fashioned Gluten. Times have been hard as of recently down on the gluten farm. A lot of you have been downright intolerant. We want you back. They've been bastards, Daddy. Now, not a word out of you, girl. That's my daughter, Franny. Little Franny Felcher. She's passionate, just like all of us Felchers. What are we passionate about? We're passionate about the family Felcher and the world's most high-quality pure gluten. How pure? Purer than snow-white Colombian. Farmer Felcher's old-fashioned gluten. Available in supermarkets in Cozy Corner and around the world. Farmer Felcher's old-fashioned gluten. It ain't gonna kill you, but I might. That's enough out of you, girl. Farmer Felcher's old-fashioned gluten. A proud underwriter of the Late Night Fright. Faith, you up for a little more trivia? Yes, I am. Do you know who was John Carpenter's original choice to play Dr. Loomis in Halloween? I do not. Christopher Lee. Oh, wow. He says that was the biggest regret of his career. He says he shouldn't have turned it down. I'm trying to picture that. It would have been a different film. Very different. He also had his eyes on Peter Cushing. That would have been different, too. Yeah. Bunch of no talents, right? (laughs) Right. I think they got it right, though. (laughs) I think they did. We'll be right back. cemetery today in the cemetery somebody dug up a coffin of a coffin of a nine-year-old girl Have you forgotten? But you never looked into his face, did you? You never saw his eyes. You never saw that nothing, no expression, blank. My memory goes back 12 years. I prayed that he would burn in hell. But in my heart, I knew that hell would not have him. Michael Myers is outside. National Guard will take him to a maximum security facility. But he'll stay till the day he dies. Never die. back to the late night fright right here on wkmf cozy corner public radio well faith it's halloween in haddonfield again michael myers is back again dr loomis is back again opening on october 13th 1989 halloween 5 the revenge of michael myers picks up right where the previous installment 1988's the return of michael myers left off Everyone's favorite boogeyman is back at it again, and even a year-long coma can't stop him from getting at his niece, Jamie Lloyd, played by the returning Danielle Harris. 
Also returning alongside Harris are Ellie Cornell as Rachel Carruthers and Bo Starr as Sheriff Meeker. Don Shanks appears as The Shape and Wendy Kaplan as Tina, a would-be final girl. None of that really matters. The real star of the movie is Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis, and don't let anyone tell you any differently, right, Faith? Right. The Revenge of Michael Myers opened to negative reviews and did not do as well as hoped for at the box office. The film was directed by Dominique Othanine Girard, who was hired on the recommendation of original Halloween producer Deborah Hill and was written by Othanine Girard. I like saying that. Michael Jacobs and Shim Bitterman. It was produced by Ramsey Thomas, and the score is by Alan Howarth, who has worked with John Carpenter several times. The same rules and categories apply, except this time we are awarding Pumpkin Heads Faith. What did you think of Halloween 5? The Revenge of Michael Myers. I don't love it and I don't hate it. I think it's I think it's a decent film. I have some complaints. I did give it a three. I gave it a two five. Okay. I gave it a two five. We did an episode on Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers. What I loved about that film was the atmosphere that director mm-hmm. Dwight Little gave that film. It looks like autumn, it feels like autumn, it feels like the Midwest, it feels like middle America. Mm-hmm feels like that town right you know this didn't feel like autumn to Mm -hmm. me at all it didn't feel like halloween the season um i love the fourth movie i got bored with this with that said there are some really great things in this movie Mm -hmm. though uh i gave it as i said two and a half Mm -hmm. pumpkin heads what did you give it i give it three three okay that's respectable i think there are moments that can kind of that kind of led me to that decision Again, I don't love it, don't hate it, but it's decent, I guess. Decent enough. I want to say this before we get too far in this. It's interesting that both of these movies came out, and why we're doing this, they came out in the same uh, summer, well, season, I should say. This came out a little more toward Halloween, but uh, they both underperformed, which mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. Yeah. So, uh, they're, you know, when you get in these part fours and, and things of that nature, you get into a little bit of fatigue, mm-hmm. you know. And so what happens is you go one of two ways. You do what Elm Street 5 did, which is keep a lot of the elements that made it successful. And Stephen Hopkins tried to expand, you know, on some things. Right. I think we both really like that. Yeah. I feel like this movie takes what Halloween did and is doing a lot of the same stuff that Halloween did, but not as well. (laughs) Not as well. Yeah. Which is... Which upsets me in a way because you have a really great performance by Daniel Harris nestled snugly in this movie. This is one of the great kid performances I in, in movies, not not just horror movies, in, in movies. The way that she plays Jamie when she's uh, catatonic, you know, and, and the know. sounds that are coming out of her are very... Uh, your heart just goes out to her and you just want to hug, that, hug her. Yeah, the, the the fact that she can't even scream out or speak like add i feel like it's so creepy right and it could have just maybe i don't know i feel like it could have made the movie you know go up a notch but yeah there's still something yeah lacking i'm right there i'm right there with you (laughs) and it does try to do something a little different it does introduce this supernatural element here that would play out six years later in the uh, curse of michael myers but my biggest complaint with that is it does not do anything here. It It is there and you have the man in black and it's just all very confusing. Mm-hmm. You have this strange tattoo on the wrist. And yeah. if you don't know what happens in the next film, you're just watching this by itself. <laughs> it is very confusing because <laughs> I have is. not seen part six in a long time. And I was like, oh, yeah, there is that the Druid connection mm-hmm. and all this. And they, they, I know that they had wanted to put that in the beginning of this film with the Druid connection. But um See, I did the same thing. I hadn't seen six in a while either. So I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, OK, I remember. I remember what happened. So and then there are just a few little quibbles with the movie. Uh, again, as I said, is he in a year long coma? Is 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 he just that, that was my thing that he just randomly finds this man. This man lets him just hang out yeah. with him for a year and has no. Yeah. Like what's happening? Like. <laughs> So some of the internal logic for me just wasn't making a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and again, because we are comparing this to The Dream Child, uh, the Freddy Krueger return makes a lot of sense in that movie and mm-hmm. I think is executed a lot mm-hmm. a lot better. Yeah. How do we feel about this as a sequel 
to the 1978 Halloween. And this is a movie, uh, and I say this every time we mention that film, that's your favorite horror movie of all time. Yeah. And it's always, what, top five all-time greatest <laughs> horror films, yeah. you know, for good reason. How do we feel about this as a sequel to that film? I gave it a two. I gave it a two as well. Uh, it's just, I feel like there are some original Michael Myers things happening here. I feel like his stalkerish. What is the word I'm looking for? Mojo? Yeah. Is there. In the first 30 minutes of the movie. Right. Man. And, well, we'll talk more about that with the creep quotient. But, yeah, for about 30 minutes of this movie, you're you're really, they're doing what 78 did Mm -hmm. very well. Yeah. And and so you're like, okay, he's kind of got that stalkerish thing going on. And and that's what I like about Halloween. That's what makes it creepy. You know? And, And so I feel like it just... Once that kind of fades out, it kind of, you know, yeah, maybe doesn't feel like Halloween as much. Yeah. It almost makes me think of like Friday the 13th a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. A little which, bit. Which would make sense because Michael is a product of the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. And now he comes back in 88. And, and that's the height of the Jason Freddy craze. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they are horror at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, the slasher genre had really taken over and part six uh with friday the 13th that introduced a supernatural element which we get here which i don't like the supernatural yeah. element i don't like this weird symbiotic thing that they have going on it's just that and then i feel like the look of it kind of like being in the woods it's just kind of a jason thing to me it just many moments i yeah. kept thinking of jason <laughs> yeah so well that brings us very nicely into the creep quotient which mm-hmm. we're talking about our our killer here, please. Uh, What'd you give it? it? No, you go first. No, you please. go ahead. I gave it a curious. three. I gave it a three <laughs> because of the first thirty minutes and and uh, uh, who's the guy? Hold on, um, I want to make sure I get this guy's right. Uh, Don Shanks. I like the way that he plays Michael. I like. Uh, I do like the overall performance as Michael, but I really like the first thirty minutes when he's, uh, especially when he's stalking Rachel in the house. Uh, and the way that you get him in in the background and you mm-hmm. get uh, impressions of him and you do the first person point of view with mm-hmm. him and uh, feels like Carpenter. It feels like Halloween. Yeah. It feels like Halloween. It feels like Michael Myers. Yeah. That's why I gave it a three, too, because I feel like, okay, it's there. Kind of lacking. But I do get Michael Myers vibes off of him, at least. And I feel and I feel like that dwindles in as the film Mm -hmm. goes on because you get into that. It's kind of a Jason ripoff in a lot of ways. It feels like it. It really feels like it. Totally. Totally. But, you know, I don't. He he does feel like Michael, though, for the most part. Honestly, I feel like Dr. Loomis. (laughs) I feel like. Like Dr. Loomis is the booger, the boogeyman. I really feel like he is. I feel like he was scarier more than Michael in this movie. I feel like he had more of. Like the jump scares with the characters, you know, he would just appear out of nowhere and yes. they'd start screaming and it's not even Michael, it's Dr. Loomis. <laughs> yes. Um, so that, again, nice segue into our final girl slash uh, adversary. And let me say this, I think it's a bold decision having a, how old is she? Nine, 10 years Nine. old? Nine, 10 years. Okay. Uh, I specifically said it. They do. Well. That's, that's right. Uh, have her as the final girl, the nine year. I think that's a wonderful creative decision i think it's very interesting before we get into it what did you think about michael crying mm, that just took just i was like nope nope you know because the, the whole conceit of this is loomis is trying to get to him through his emotions he has no emotions right and here he is he's crying yeah that's yeah. not michael <laughs> yeah all right so i'm sorry i didn't i didn't mean i wanted to make sure we got that yeah. point in but uh Final girl slash adversary. Wonderful creative decision to have a nine-year-old mm-hmm. as the final girl. We also have an adversary here in the Van Helsing kind of uh, adversary for our our, our monster mm-hmm. in this film. We have Dr. Loomis played so wonderfully <laughs> by Donald Pleasance. One of our, our, one of my at least personal favorite uh, horror characters because... He is histrionic, and I love him, and I love the way that he plays histrionic, and we had a lot of fun with him when we did Halloween 4 a little while back. Uh, How did you score Final Girl slash Adversary? I went four. 
I also went four, and let me tell you why I went four. I went four because they killed Rachel. First off, they killed her. They killed her too early in the movie. And then they try to pawn Tina off on you, and Tina wasn't working for me. And uh, I I didn't like that they killed Rachel, and and it's hard to hold that against this movie because I loved her. She was one of my favorite things in part four. Mm-hmm. She's one of my favorite final girls because yeah. we talked about her in part four. You're never yelling at the TV. Nope. She's doing everything you would do, and then she just gets off in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, she was the one that she sees him and she takes off running. You know, most of them are like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. No, she was like, uh-uh, I gotta go. So that that does kind of suck that... And it had been her. a while since I'd seen the movie, and I didn't know if... Me too, and I thought to myself... She's gonna, gonna come back. Right she's here, gonna come or, back. Or is he just gonna... Something's gonna happen. Yeah. And she's gonna yeah. make her way out, and she'll be fine. And then where, where the movie, I think, loses its footing is then you spend about 25, 30 minutes... With Tina, where they're trying, you're trying, trying to make her happen, like mm-hmm. fetch and Mean Girls, and, and then you get into the party scene, and that's where I start going, oh come on, you know, like let's. The story is then at that point is with Jamie and Loomis, and you're spending time over here mm-hmm. with these kills. The Friday the Thirteenth movie, yeah. you know, over here, and the uh, the real movie is over here waiting, you right. know. For it to, you know, waiting mm-hmm. for him to arrive at the house, mm-hmm. you know. And, and Tina's fine, but I don't feel like she's. You know the star. I don't feel like she's no Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> right, right. Like, so it was just you know it's kind of like she's too obnoxious for that role. Yeah, and you know, and then she dies, and that's great. You know, like, yeah, and it's whatever. like okay, yeah. I just don't feel like it. She really held it up. But Doctor Loomis, okay, what the hell is this guy doing working with kids? What the hell is this guy doing working with anyone with a mental instability? He's the one with the mental instability and i love i love everything about his performance it is so he steals the movie oh he the, steals he is, the movie he is the movie <laughs> yeah when he is pressuring her like what do you know what are you seeing when he like Te- grabs her legs and starts shaking her like yes. what, where is he and i'm like oh yes my god yes that to me was the equivalent of uh i believe it was in part four where's the schoolhouse <laughs> the schoolhouse you yes remember? There's always a moment where he pops his top, and in true Halloween fashion, you don't know if he survived. You know, we right. gotta wait for the next. Wait, did Loomis, you know, bite it? You know, like because he's kind of a, a villain unto himself. He's he is a crazy man. He has no business working with kids. He nope. But man, do I love him! <laughs> oh my gosh, this is one of the great horror creations, and this movie is watchable only because I think of him when we get towards the end, him and Daniel Harris, especially, you know, but, uh, he's the only thing that keeps us kind of running, you know? I love when he's like, let me show you something. And it kind of like takes a pause and then he just pulls up his hand. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. like, what? Can we talk about the way he holds a gun? <laughs> I love the way he holds a gun. God. Yes. It's Donald just, Donald Pleasance was uh, again one of the great decent men who worked in the in the film industry, uh, a really wonderful man, and uh, like so many that we've talked about, you know, was so unlike what he was playing mm-hmm. here. I like the edge he brings to Loomis, and that goes all the way back to the original film. I know, and uh, I don't know that Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing would have brought this kind of frenzy to it. Yeah, like a know? lunatic, like you know, like the lunatic nature of it, and he. <laughs> Donald Pleasance absolutely adored these movies. He loved these movies. And he said at the time, I don't remember if it was this one or the previous installment, like, I will make them until I die. And, and then he, he literally did. died towards the end of the filming, the next next installment. Mm-hmm. And, but he loved this franchise. And I feel like he really showed up and like put everything he <laughs> Oh, like, he is not phoning it in. He, uh, I don't he, think he, he is not... Uh, looking down on this material. Mm-mm. And I mentioned last week that Barbara Ewing, who appeared in Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, had written to me, and I wanted to bring up what she told me about Christopher Lee. She said, he showed up prepared, he knew his lines, and he did not take the material lightly. He did not look down on the fact that he was playing A, Dracula, and that he was B, in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Donald Pleasance, and it's not yeah. just a job, you know, where you show mm-hmm. up to collect a paycheck. No, he really shows up to, joy and- to perform. Yes, yeah. and 
and and he is on record as saying he loved the material and it he lit he died doing this and this is what he's remembered for and I he know. was in some wonderful films i mean he played a bond villain he was in i believe he was in the great escape which is a great 60s war film about pow's and he himself was a pow we talked about that uh when we did our halloween episode mm-hmm. and he uh got into theater while he was a prisoner of war and uh had a really interesting life and i believe he brings a unique take he does to I this. Mean, and, and this is a wonderful energy and something that you don't get in the other slasher film mm-hmm. especially the other the big two yeah you know you don't have um freddie doesn't have that adversary like mm-hmm. this like the like the doctor character you know right. uh jason doesn't have that mm-hmm. character this and, and in a way that harkens back to dracula i was and, just about to say and, and the classic monsters <laughs> in a way and and, and he's and he I don't know that he was in a Hammer production, but you could totally see Loomis in a Hammer yeah, production. Oh yeah, you know. I really and I really don't think there's anybody like him. Like, like no. in general, you know, like thinking no. of any movie, I just he's so no. unique. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. And uh, the the only thing I'll say is it's such a shame, and we've said this on the show before. If you listen to any of our other Halloween episodes, it's a shame that he didn't make it to the H two O film. Mm-hmm. To, to be reunited with Jamie Lee Curtis properly. But uh, it's kind of great that he has his own series, mm-hmm. you know, and then she has her own yeah. series. But uh, really, really, it's 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 something. It's some, I was just going to say, it's, it's something. something. All right, our final category, Slasher Factor, uh, Kill, Kill Creativity, and the Lambs to the Slaughter. Uh, Faith, I gave this 2.5. Really? Uh, yes. Why? Uh, it was... Kind of the Friday the Thirteenth overkill in a way. I, I I liked the uh, sickle kill, and mm-hmm. I liked the uh, what was it the garden tool that uh, Mike got to yeah. the head, and then Kyle was kind of just desensitized I mean, to it. I didn't give it much. I mean, I gave it a three, and for the reason that there were so many kills, I kind of liked that because he just went on a full rampage, and that is yeah. a Jason thing. I feel like and that's literally in my notes. I didn't even realize I put that in. Kind of berserker. It really feels like Jason. But I don't know. I just feel like <sighs> I know what was missing, though. When we watched four, we had brought up that we liked that he killed. Was it the officer with the gun? Yes. And I feel like you miss some yeah. of that kind of uniqueness a little bit. It's kind of like just a linebacker going through blitzing, <laughs> you know, for, for the entire movie. But it's like it's also it also feels kind of like classic michael yeah he has his knife and stuff but and i'll and i'll go back though i don't feel like we have and that's a great point the moment with the police officer with the gun but i also don't feel like we have the moment from one where he puts a guy up on the wall and then takes a step back and breathes and admires his handiwork so i I didn't and again it was just like bam 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 and i feel like there's only so much you can do and then there was kind of so many that you lose a lot of the personality of it you lose um you know in elm street five there was the three and as i said i like those kids I didn't want anything bad to happen to him. I don't feel like you get to know these kids and it's just true meat in the grinder, you know, <laughs> but I will say this, the kills are all uh, shot and uh, uh, they come off very well. They're very well done mm-hmm. as far as like the technical aspect of the special effects and all that. I think oh, yeah. really, really great. Yeah, I think so too. But I just felt like it was a little overkill then, you know. Which is a shame because when he is chasing Jamie at the end and that knife is going in that air duct, you mm-hmm. know, because there's honestly got tension there. Yeah. You know, oh, and, yeah. and I don't feel like there's that tension in throughout the movie, throughout the movie, like you get in 78 mm-hmm. oh, and yeah, even in 88, you get mm-hmm. the tension with no, it. So I, I totally agree. Yeah, that's and that's that's it was almost too much, you know, <laughs> like, calm down, Michael. OK, that is enough. <laughs> I think it's like 21 kills. Well, yes, 21, 21, like 21 kills. And uh, how do you feel about the, uh, uh, we mentioned it earlier, the dangling plot thread. You know, the uh, the the druid thing. Again, I have not seen them. And I almost watched it. Just to kind of. And then I was like, and I was like, oh, well, I don't feel like I watching. watched it. I mean, it's been a few months. But it's just, I don't know. I feel like there needed to be either more clues or. I don't know. It just felt like okay, you have this mystery, but it feels and they were like definitely it, setting up a sequel, and yeah. then it just didn't do as well as they hoped, so it got sh- shelved for <laughs> six years. Yeah, you know? I don't know. It's just again, I, I, I with you. I was watching it, trying to remember 
you're like, what is this? Oh, okay, I know what it is. I mean, yeah. if you haven't seen Six, it's just kind of... Right. right. And then the, what about the ending? Did you like the ending? With the way he just leaves and her standing there? Yeah. It, it felt very anticlimactic. <laughs> it was just like we did all of that. We watched all of that and this is how it ends. Because I love the ending like, of Four. Mm-hmm. I love the ending of Four where... It's open-ended, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh, and it really puts things that came before it in perspective, you know, in a different I do like the way it starts, and it does look like a continuation of four. Right. I do appreciate that. And in that interesting, too, this is another part five that is a direct continuation exactly. of the film uh, that preceded it. But then it's like, Michael looked like, like an otter, the way he went into the water. Yeah. I don't know if you know, did, did he remind you of a seal or an otter? Yeah. Yeah, he really did. He really did. What is this? It, it, the potential is here. It just, I don't feel like it really, really rises yeah. to it. I love part four. I really mm-hmm. do. I think part four does so many things very well. And this, I think, doesn't do them as well. Yeah. So, but um, it is a pretty entertaining watch. I did kind of start to check out a little bit. I was waiting. I mean, I, w- I wasn't necessarily, but it's not my favorite of. Yeah. The franchise, for yeah, sure. Definitely, definitely not. But uh, it's it's still a fun watch. Yeah. I mean, for, for Donald Pleasance <laughs> and Danielle Harris, really, too. Yeah, but she's, Donald, she's, she's really good. She's really good here, but Donald Pleasance, for sure. So. Ugh, he steals it. you have anything you'd like to add about this? I think that's it. That's it for me, too. And that is it for Haddonfield. We need to tally up the scores. And while we do that, stay tuned for all the fake news not fit to print. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We will see you. On the other side. watercolorist Dave Dunhagen has just released a new collection of his work entitled Just the Tip. He painted all of the pictures in the book using just the tip of his brush and all of the pictures are of, you guessed it, the tip of his penis. Just the Tip is Dunhagen's follow-up to The Whole Truth, which is full of paintings of his, well, we'll let you figure it out. Social media trendsetters, those courageous souls who scour social media platforms in an effort to predict upcoming new and hot trends, are predicting that 2021 will be the year of dump face. Say goodbye to duck face. Say hello to dump face. What is dump face, you ask? Dump face is that face you make when you're pushing a turd out sideways through your butt. The trendsetters are predicting social media users will start snapping and posting selfies while pooping. Faith, it looks like 2021 is going to be full of crap. Wow. Gwenny Goop, lady lawyer, says her lawsuit against 2020 is almost ready to be filed. Goop said she's bringing a suit against that awful year for being a, quote, malignant little dickhole, end quote. We'll keep you posted. And finally, I don't know about you, but somebody really needs to do something about all these problems, don't you think? Yes, but I never think. And that is the news. We'll see you on the other side. Faith, we're uh, we're getting a phone call. We should take that. Uh, I guess we should. All right, here we go. You are on with the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I met him... Fifteen years ago, I, I was this told guy there's again. left. No again? Reason, Seriously? No uh, conscience, no understanding. He's and evil. Even the most rudimentary sense and we'll of never get a word in with him. No. Good or Just evil, let him go. Right or wrong. I've learned that. I met this... Oh, he's got music Six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. He came prepared. Face <laughs> Goodness gracious. The blackest eyes. He's evil. Very evil. I spent eight years trying to reach him, 
That's almost a decade. That's also almost a decade. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. 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 Then he hangs up. Wow. I figured that would have kept going. Talk about a crank call, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Right. We will see you on the other side. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We're going to wrap it up here. Well, we scored the films tonight, Faith. Pitted two iconic slashers against each other. Only one of them can walk out of here victorious tonight. It was a close one, wasn't it? It was. All right. How did Elm Street 5 fare? Elm Street 5 got a total of 3.1 murder gloves out of five yes sounds about right sounds about right yeah how did halloween five fair 2.9 pumpkin heads again out of five. seems about right yeah uh pretty pretty close there but I, I do think that elm street five is the more interesting sequel yeah i think the story is yeah you know, a lot cooler it's coherent it's yeah. a little more coherent too yeah and uh just think it's a little bit better of a film and Stephen Hopkins would go on to do some wonderful things he would do the Ghost in the Darkness and Predator 2 and he uh, directed a lot of the first season of 24 with Kiefer Sutherland so he uh, he's he's really done some some interesting things so it's a shame he, he looks back on it as an embarrassment though I don't think it's I don't think it's that I don't bad. think it's <laughs> that bad either so we are going to be pitting films against each other to see which one has more mojo we have Two films going at it next week. It's a battle of the remakes, isn't yes, it? Faith? It is. And we've covered the originals on this show, so you can uh, watch the film and listen to the episode on the uh, original. What are what have we got going against each other? We have Prom Night from 2008, and we have Black Christmas 2006. This should be interesting. I have not seen the remake of Black Christmas. Yeah, well, it should be very interesting then. Yes. Uh, both of them take some liberties. I have not seen them either in a while. So so I'm, I'm actually looking forward yeah. to it. I don't know. Do we want them to be good or bad? Do we have more fun <laughs> when they're bad? I, I, I don't know. I don't know either. So, all right. So there you go. Black Christmas and Prom Night. Watch those. We're going to be pitting them against each other next week. We want to wish you all a happy new year again. We hope that you're happy and healthy and safe. This year is going to be wonderful. Mark my words. I think we're going to be coming out of this real dark period that we've been in. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. We are also on Instagram at late night fright podcast and faith is on the gram at I'm a normal alien. There you go. We'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. You have anything you'd like to add about the movies for before we wrap it up. I think that's it for me. I would just like to say I went in uh, thinking Halloween was going to take this because I was not as impressed with Elm Street 5 when I watched it a few months ago. It was a real pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really I, I, was. I, I agree with that, actually. And uh, if you have not watched the movie, you know, to listen along with us or... Uh, if it's been a while, really pay attention to the England performance. I think there's more going on in this movie and in that performance than it gets credit for. I understand why it's ranked so low compared to the other films, but I do not think that it's as awful as a lot of people mm-hmm. make it out yeah. to be. It is a product of its time and it's a product of the uh, big word here, zeitgeist of those movies. <laughs> so, that's a good word. So they, that's a 50, that's a 75 cent word. 75 cent word so all right prom night and black christmas up next thank you for letting us drone on in your ears for a little while if you're still here if you are still here thank you so much for sticking around faith does it feel like it's that time it does it does it feels like it's that time let's see if we snap our fingers if we can get the outro music to start are you ready Mm -hmm. one two three 
Well, there it is. Job well done. Yes. Time nice, to say goodbye. Nice snap, too. That was a beautiful snap. Synchronized snap. We're getting better at this. <laughs> yes, we well, we are coming up on our two-year anniversary and on our 200th show. That's so crazy. I have no idea what we're doing for any of that, but we'll <laughs> let you know when we get there. We just finally got the snap down. So there <laughs> you go. Thank you all again for tuning in. Happy New Year to all of you. Uh, it, it is a is a privilege to be able to do this show, and I want to thank you all out there for listening from all around the world because we see where you are, and it's kind of mind boggling. We're not that creepy. <laughs> it's kind of mind boggling seeing. We see you everywhere. <laughs> we see you when you're sleeping, and you smell different too. <laughs> I think that's the note to end on. <laughs> Take us home, Faith. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on a leash. leash. We will see you on the other side.